Good morning. Welcome to our online service and our scripture lesson this morning is from Ephesians 5 verses 25 through the end of the chapter. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word. I pray that you'd bless it this morning as we look at it. Help us to understand family better, and especially the role of the husband this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing with our foundational triad on the Christian family, and this morning we are going to be looking at husbands. There are many ways that history has measured the men that it honors as noteworthy. As a country, we remember those who sacrificed to make our nation free. And we also remember those who rose to the challenge to defend that freedom against the tyranny of evil men. In some circles, the worth of a man is measured by how strong he is physically. Some measure him by his athletic ability and prowess. The Bible does give honor and attention to some of these attributes of manliness, but mainly we are measured in comparison to our example, Jesus Christ. This is particularly true when it comes to the role of the husband. And so we're going to be looking this morning at the example of the Christian man as husband as compared to Christ in the church. Because we, we remember as last week we talked about that the family is designed in such a way as a reflection of the relationship between God's people and himself. And especially this morning as we look at this, we're going to be looking at Christ and his church and the example that's given as the husband to the wife and to the family um, as a microcosm of that relationship that's right before us all the time uh, to give us encouragement. Revelation 19.7 describes the relationship of Christ to the church as between a husband and his bride. It says, The marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And so when we look at the Christian man as husband, we recognize this microcosm that he is living as he interacts with his wife. And so in order to encourage you about how to be a better husband, the best place that we can do that is to recognize how God, in the person of Christ, interacts and relates to his bride, the church. He desires that the world witness an accurate portrayal of this role as the husband through the men that he has blessed with wives. We also know this because he says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so we become an example of Christ's love to our wives, children, and neighbors and make him attractive to unbelievers. 
One goal I have this morning is not to beat down those who feel like they have utterly failed in this. We have all failed in many ways as husbands. Uh, we are imperfect, and we are trying to live out a perfect picture of Christ in the church. And so there is grace around this. These are just things to help us uh, in that work that we are doing as husbands in that relationship. And so let's look at the specific examples of how God in Jesus is a husband to the church. First of all, we know that he is jealous. Many times when we think about a jealous husband, we think of that overbearing and insecure man who wants a detailed account of his wife's every waking minute. But there is a good reason that God is jealous of us as a husband and that we should be as husbands as well. He knows that he can give his bride the intimacy and the love that he that she needs. And that if she goes looking for love in the arms of a stranger, that that imposter is going to hurt her heart. Now we know in the spiritual realm that the imposter is the devil. He is the Casanova. And so Paul warns the church in Corinth when he told them, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin. And so for us as husbands, we must be very jealous of our wives' affection and time. But that means that you have to actually pursue her. From the moment that I started dating my wife Mary, she has been and remains to be my most favorite person in the world to spend time with. And so we go out on regular dates. We've been doing this for the last 24 years. And that was encouraged to me. Uh, one of the first things that somebody told me, make sure you continue to date your wife. And that doesn't mean I forbid her from spending time with other people. She's got many women that she goes on hikes with and she spends time with. But this picture of jealousy is very evident in the physical relationship between the husband and the wife. I also always used to wonder, when it comes to sexual intimacy, why God created men with such a strong physical drive, seemingly in contrast to the wives who have less of a drive, generally speaking. But I believe that it was meant to show us how strongly he desires us and desires to be close in intimacy with us, that he continues to pursue us, and many times we just you know, forget that he's even there. And so it's a constant reminder to me of how jealous God is for my affections. Secondly, we see that Jesus is faithful. The most important thing you can do as a husband to be a witness for Christ to the outside world is to be faithful to your wife. More people have been turned off to Christianity because of the hypocritical church leaders in the area of infidelity than probably any other sin. And God gives us a warning regarding unfaithfulness in the person of Solomon, as we mentioned last week. In 1 Kings eleven nine through 10 it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after foreign gods. And so Israel became an embarrassment because Solomon allowed his foreign wives to seduce him away from his devotion to God. But you may ask, well, how can I resist in this area of temptation when Solomon, who's called the wisest man who ever lived, failed? Well, I believe it becomes an issue of humility because men who fall in this area of unfaithfulness 
typically fall because of pride. They want their ego stroke. They want to be pursued. They want to be sought after. Either they feel they do not have uh, need accountability because they are strong and it won't happen to them, or they feel, feel they deserve affection because of all they have done for the Lord and perhaps even their family. God has always kept his side of the covenant, and we as husbands are called by God to be an example of this faithful covenant keeper, even if the, in the face of a wife who seems maybe less than satisfactory. Third, we see that Jesus is a leader. One of the things that I wonder about when I see the world and all the troubles that we have and the battle of the sexes is, how was it in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve fell? Was Eve upset because she had been created as Adam's helpmeet? Did she feel like a second-class citizen? What was the dialogue like when making this decision? Well, in 1 Timothy 3.5, it describes the man as a manager. The word can also use one who stands as one who stands before or one who leads. And so our goal in leading should always be to make the Christian life attractive to the world around us as well as to our own families. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he did not force them or coerce them, but he led them as a shepherd. And so that's an example of our gentle leadership, isn't it? We don't force the ones who are following us to, to follow us. They do so because they want to follow us. But our um, sins and failings many times can make that difficult. This is when we stand up and ask forgiveness from our wives, when we fail to follow uh, through with the words that we have been uh, speaking and the things that we should be doing. Now, leading also assumes that we know where we are going. The husband should always be familiar with the word of God, and especially in regard to uh, the wives, because many times uh, in relationships, I've seen that the wives step forward as the spiritual ones, uh, whereas the father is to be considered the spiritual head of the family. Fourth, we see that Jesus is loving. Ephesians 5.33 tells us that husbands must love their wives. And you would think this would be natural because that's why we married them, right? We love them. But when we define love the way that Jesus did, and when he said that there is no greater love that a man has than he laid on his life for his friends, it gets a bit tougher. I love to golf, and in fact, I could golf every day if I was given the chance. Once when I, uh, back when I, once I got married, I realized that going out with guys even once a week at that time to golf was a strain on the relationship with Mary because we had small children at home and uh, she needed me to be there. And so my golfing was re reduced down to um, maybe once or twice a month. Now, I could have said something like, well, I work hard and I deserve relaxation and, you know, you take the kids and whatever. But at that time in our relationship, it was definitely needed that I um, lay down my life in that area for my friend, my best friend. And so laying down our lives is usually not some big heroic act like jumping in front of a bus or something like that, because I think most of the guys here would lay down their life as far as um, taking a bullet for their family. But laying down our life is somewhat different when we think of um, laying down our activities or our preferences. It is laying down the things that are keeping me from a more meaningful marriage with my wife. And if you don't know what those things are, uh, 
in regard to your relationship. Ask your wife on your way home this morning, and I guarantee she'll have a few suggestions. <laughs> Fifth, we see that Jesus is a protector. Chivalry is not a word that we hear very often in our modern conversation, but it is defined as courteous and considerate behavior, especially toward women. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, that you husbands are to live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, and that your prayers might not be hindered. Many women perhaps have chafed at this verse, but I think we need to take it in context uh, of what we are talking about here as far as making the relationship um, to God attractive. And we will long for this kind of chivalry to saturate our marriages when we want to present that to the world. Jesus is the most chivalrous man in history when it comes to the way in which he wanted to protect and uh, behave in consideration toward his bride, the church. One of the things that Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17 was that God the Father would keep them, the church, from the evil one. And what he was doing was he was praying for their protection. In early times, husbands would walk with their wives on the inside of the sidewalk while they walked closest to the street. And they wanted to protect them from oncoming traffic and splattering mud and dangerous things like that. And so they protected them in that way. And one thing that I would suggest that you... Uh, one thing I would su suggest to you to get you thinking of the influence of the culture uh, has on the feminine image is we would protect them from great harm and insecurity Sorry, if we would tell them how beautiful they are and just the way they are. In conclusion today, one thing I would like to encourage us as we go through this series is the temptation would be the old elbowing, see I told you so spouse, don't worry, uh, ladies, next week you're going to be getting an earful as we talk about the S word, submission. Have your tomatoes ready. <laughs> but really, we need to rely on God's grace to work in each other's lives. And I think that if we begin to uphold one another in our prayer, we will begin to see great changes in our spouses. And so, as we consider this, there is grace for these areas. We are all growing in this, uh, myself and Mary as well. Um, our marriage is not perfect. Uh, we have come from a background of seeing imperfect relationships before us. And so each one of us needs that grace uh, from God and from our spouses as we continue on in this. And so let's pray for that right now. Father, I pray for the marriages out there. I pray for the relationships, and I, I pray that you'd have your hand on them. Help them where they're struggling. Encourage them and help them to be a better picture of your relationship with us as uh, the church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.